Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P dot com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week, coming to us from Washington, D.C., is Mr. Juan Lee. He's a transformational speaker, author, and teacher on the powerful principle of love. Uh, Juan is going to talk about love and how he studied organized religion and finding elements that unite humanity. And I think we could all use that right now, a little unitedness. So, uh, Juan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I appreciate you having me. Oh, definitely. We're so excited to have you. And actually, today is uh, Veterans Day, and I know you're heavily involved with um, those sort of affairs in the Air Force. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Hey, I I served nine years in the Air Force. Well, thank you so much for your service. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. I mean, it it made a difference in my life. And yeah, uh, we haven't had anyone uh, talk about the military here, and I don't know if it'll come up today, but uh, where I do like to start is if you could just tell the audience um, how old you are, where you grew up, and then uh, what generation, if any, you feel you belong to. (laughs) I'm 56 years old. I'm born and raised in what we call the DMV, the Maryland, Washington, D.C. area. I was was born in Virginia, and I was uh, raised in Maryland. And other than the nine years that I was in the Air Force, I've been here all my life. This is it. I am, uh, oh boy, generation, I don't know. I am right after the baby boomers. I was born in 65. I think they call you Generation X. That's what I, that's what I thought. That's what I thought, Generation X, I was thinking. And what I've noticed, because we interview people of all ages, is uh, Gen Xers are the least likely to know their generation or even care about having one, which is uh, kind of the stereotype for our generation. So I'm at the end of Gen X. Um yeah, well, that's great. Um, and I've spent a lot of time out where you're from. Um, I went to school at Pitt, and I have a lot of friends from the area, so it's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fall. It's coming. The leaves are changing and stuff here right now. That's the best time of year there, in my opinion. Absolutely. So uh, let's start with um, your background in studying organized religion. You said you've been doing it for more than 30 years. Can you kind of walk us through what got you into that? Well, I've been involved with religion all my life. I mean, I'm raised in various different denominations. Um and for ever since I can remember, I've been involved in religion from Baptist to Catholic to Protestant, Methodist, um, <laughs> uh, uh, everything, um, having Protestant, you know, all of the, the different sects of Christianity. And, um, and that's basically my background. I mean, it's, it's basically that understanding of uh, how how religion um, works, um, and as a, re- as a result, um, came to find out the things that were most important um, rather than the things that were divisive between all of those different uh, sects of uh, religion or, or of Christianity, um, that love was the most important thing. <clears throat> and and that was that was the journey that I was on because it was you know all of that that experience that I had it was at the end of the day it was really confusing because there was no there was no application um, that I could apply what I was hearing uh, other than um, being a part of one of those um, de- denominations or, or or that religion 
that um, just led you to a point of being a part of an organization. And that was that was basically didn't didn't give me any I'd say I guess it wasn't any answers to this thing called life. And actually, that's kind of where this podcast usually goes um, is who gives us answers? Where do we seek answers? How do we get answers? So I usually just ask guests to straight up tell me and I'll ask you right now. Uh, what do you actually think happens when you die? What do you specifically for yourself believe is going to happen? See, that, that's, that's very interesting that, that, that that's the emphasis that we focus on. And that is that um, that's the thing that divides us is that, that, that question right there as to what happens um, when you die, when you're no longer here. And for me, that's not even... A question, to be honest with you, um, that 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 that's right there. It almost what it brings you into is a, a fear factor that you really is irrelevant because it's not as though you can prevent it, um, and there's nothing you can do about it. And to concern yourself with it leaves you with this factor of being manipulated and and led by this fear that there is something that you don't know about that you have to be concerned about. And what it leads you to is almost to the point of if you were to compare death to birth, you had no recollection prior to birth and to think that there was going, you're going to have a recollection of something post-death, it leaves you that's illogical to the point where that's nothing that you could do before you were born. You could not, you had no nothing to say about it, um, and you were not concerned about it prior to being born, but yet you spend the time of this experience called life being concerned about death. It seems to be quite, we, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, it seems kind of um, useless, useless thought process. It really does. Yeah. And so, and so what I've come to find out is that love uh, allows us to work, deal with this experience called life and it's from birth to death. And what you choose to believe before birth and post-death, it's a choice. It's your belief. It's your faith. It's whatever you want that to be. But the fact of the matter is, is that I don't need to be divided because of how you believe before you were born and after you're dead. Because we don't have anything in common at that point. Those are things that you came in here, as they say, you came in here by yourself, you're going to leave by yourself. But this experience called life, all in this thing together. And therein lies what we have to break down these divides so that we can maximize our potential so that we can protect humanity and preserve it for the next generation. And that's the power of love. It's from life 
It's from it's from life. It's from birth to death. And that's all that I focus on. Um, and I think that's something that we all have in common. That's really well said, and I, I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting because, yeah, this podcast centers around a question, and what we hope to do is unravel from that question morality. And so you're talking about, to me, what is the most essential morality, which is how do we treat each other and ourselves here on Earth you know, with what we have and the time we have. So according to your biography, you're a transformational speaker, and I meant to ask you this earlier, but now feels like a great time. When you were speaking... You, answering my question is rather the better way to phrase it. When you were answering my question, I felt very motivated. I felt motivated to love. I felt motivated to think differently about religion. So what's the difference between a motivational speaker and a transformational speaker? You know, it's the attitudes. You know, see, motivation, it's, it's, a, it's a spurt. It's just a moment. Um, transformational, we ch- it's about changing your attitudes. It's, it really causes a project it really changes the direction of your life it's it, it does more than just motivate it transforms it changes the direction it's like changing it's like a 180 degree change you know it, it can make that big of an impact when you see something for the first time um that really transforms you from the way in which you used to see something to a way now that you can and to be honest with you, it's a clarity. It, it not only brings forth a change, but it's also clarity. Wow, that's cool. Um, so actually, in your career, what would you? What are some of the? I, I really want to ask what is the most. Um, but what are some memorable transformations you've witnessed from other people, or maybe even yourself? Well, I mean, I tell you, the biggest one is the way in which we view life, um, because I think a lot of the issues that we deal with in our society today has to do with the fact of how we view life. And when we're unable to see it through the, through the lens of love, it begins to be selfish. And that's the, 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 the cause that, that makes things divisive because I'm having to defend myself. And when you're, when you're looking through love, there's this, this, um, selflessness that we view things through knowing that we're all in this thing together. And it's, and it's when one wins, we all win. And that's, that's the unity that love presents and provides for us because we need that one commonality though. We need to know that we're all in this thing together. And when one wins, we all win. And we're not looking at it like that right now. And so perspective is is everything you know and it's it's the thing that really divides us because we're having to protect our perspective it's a it's a selfish thing that we're up against so i love is the solution and i agree with you but when it comes to the context of religion and i'm even going to throw the military in with this um any sort of organization where you are a part of a group and that group has leadership uh is the solution love no matter what group you're in or do you think we should be de-grouping so to speak and just be full of love no see this is this is what this is what love does see we're in a an environment that requires um some type of organization it has to be organized um and we've got to have some way of being able to um lead i mean not lead but somehow 
we've got to be able to find order. And whether it's, you know, communism, socialism, capitalism, whatever it is, there is a system to it. And the system is what love allows us to be successful in whatever the system is, whatever the, the, the system that we're operating, love is the key to it. And so how do you maneuver is understanding how that particular society lives or operates. And it doesn't, it has nothing to do with what you can possess. Um, it has to do with a state of mind, which you have, um, where you can gain peace. And no matter what the circumstances are that you're involved in, you know, if it's communism, I should be able to have peace in my mind. If it's socialism, it's capitalism, I should have peace in my mind. There's just certain things that we all have that we all have in common. You know, we need air, we need food, we need shelter, we need clothing. We have certain things that we have in common. And whether or not I have a, a, a house on the hill or a, a hut in the valley, it covers all of what I need. You know, that's what that's what we have. And that's the society in which we live in. But I don't care if you live on the mountain or in the valley, I should have peace. I'm curious, like how you would implement a national or even universal program for this, because again, I'm on your side. I love what you're talking about. Uh, no pun intended, but I'm curious, like, would you start with education? Like, should our schools be teaching classes on how to love and, and how not to worry? Like, what would you tell a five-year-old who lives in the house that's a mansion on the hill who's next to a five-year-old who lives in a hut and doesn't have like the best clothes or, you know, the, the best toy. The, the, the thing about love is, is that here's, here's the definition of love. Love is acting on behalf of another. It's acting, putting action on behalf of another, doing things on behalf of another. So if here's the thing, the, the value of the, the person that's in the hut in the valley is as valuable to society as the person who's on the hilltop, okay? And when the person at the hilltop understands that the person in the valley is just as important as they are, see, then there becomes some type of, I'm going, now if I'm on the hilltop, I'm going to act on behalf of the person that's in the valley. And the person on the valley, surprisingly enough, can act on behalf of the person on on the hilltop because they both have value and we both need each other. See, that's the one thing that we didn't realize. And, and, and I was hoping that we were going to gather from the pandemic is it was those that were living on the top on the mountaintop during the pandemic, they were locked in their houses. But if it wasn't for the people that were what we would call quote unquote valley livers, they wouldn't have got their mail delivered. They wouldn't have gotten their trash picked up. They wouldn't have gotten their packages delivered. Um, wouldn't have been able to get groceries. They w These people that we think that are less than, they became heroes to those that have never looked down and saw that they couldn't do this thing by them, with them without them. And so that's the kind of mindset that we have to have is being willing to act on behalf of another. See, that's that selflessness. That's what we need to teach, selflessness. Um, and, and because there is no formula for it, 
It's the ability to be able to look over and see that there's a need and be willing to act on it. Wow, that's really profound. I'm um, I'm wondering how to like really uh, get that message out and, and heard loud and clear. The COVID example is wonderful, and I think that it's a really good <clears throat> starting point. Uh, what about moving the camera lens out with instead of now like the mansion versus the hut, what about the like United States metaphorically being a bigger house than like, say, a third world country that's impoverished with poor leadership and a corrupt, you know, government or something? Well, well, that's just it. I mean, see, to really begin to evaluate America, America has to look in and evaluate itself because we America is is one of the babies of the bunch as it relates to you know sovereign countries you know it's only 250 something years old so it really but in that amount of time it's proven itself to be you know pretty significant and so with that being said it's come a degree of arrogance i mean we're you know we look at we we talk about problems first world problems you know, it, it's it's a mindset. They were like, okay, now we've superseded the mindset of being able to be compared to being up on this hill. So yeah, to a degree, we have to understand that, you know, we have to give. And that's a mindset that we don't have right now. We have a mindset to hoard, you know. We have to be willing to say, okay, um, I mean, we, <laughs> COVID is a prime example. You know, we get the vast, you know, the 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 vaccine, the vaccination forward, and yet other nations, third world nations, don't have the access nor the capacity to do what we did in such a rapid time frame. We're fighting about not taking the shot, and they can't even get the shot. That 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 that's how that's how privileged we are. I love it. I have never thought about it from that side. That's crazy. I really appreciate you saying it that way. Um, it's funny because we, we avoid politics on the show, but I felt comfortable asking you what I would consider to be somewhat, if not extremely political questions, because your message is love. And that's honestly the only solution I see for anything, but most of all political differences. So, um, and you're answering great and, I, and I'm appreciating all your answers. Uh, just to move it back to more of your career and your work, um, what are some of the like concrete steps you've taken in your life, either personally or in your transformational speeches and work and your authorship and your books? Well, it, it's, it's basically, it's surrounded about attitudes, you know, getting the attitudes and then applying them to a formula that really works, that comes out every time getting the results that you're looking for. But it all comes down to this, this selflessness. You, you've got to do the work. You, you, you cannot, you know, there's no formula that you can say, okay, love. And see, and that's been the big problem with love is that nobody's explained it and we've been able to give it our own definition and apply it to whenever it suits us, okay? Love, is, love it's the most rewarding and gratifying um, mindset because what you get from it is peace. It's a constant peace is that you get from it. But, but to get there, you got to work. And we want to take shortcuts because we think it's a feeling and wonder why we're in the situation that we're in, assuming that we're using our own definition as to what love is. And it's really not true. But what, what, how we see love demonstrated is so far from the truth. It's, it's so far from what 
really it's intended for. And, and very few people even recognize what it is. And, and, and so very interesting because in your podcast, you're talking about, you know, it's, it's called Coffin Talk. The very essence of being able to live a successful life is understanding death. If you don't understand that death has a purpose, you will miss out on this experience called life because life is all about an investment that death feels into forever, into eternity. You've got to be able to understand that. And we're not taught that. We try to avoid death at every, <laughs> at every turn, at every turn. And, and, but the fact of the matter is, is when you know that life is only temporary and that life is an investment, that means that you have a time to leave an impression on this thing called humanity. And that gives you the motivation to develop yourself, to be able to learn about yourself, give, give yourself the opportunity to be able to invest your very best into this because it's going to be here longer than you will. That investment into humanity is what we're after. Wow. I am I'm a huge fan of you and your work now and uh, the way you phrase things and your eloquence. So thank you. I'm... Um... It's not that I'm out of questions so much as I feel like you have such good advice for people that the only thing I'm really missing is the connection to organized religion. So I'm curious what you would see developing here because you, you explain the necessary me mechanistics of, of organization, whether it's religion or politics or governments. But w like, where do you see this all headed if people continue to have religious beliefs that don't preach selflessness, as you say, and love? Well, I mean, it's, you know, religion has been around for hundreds of years, thousands of years. Okay. And so for the purpose of what they are doing, it has a place, but the, but the real root that we're missing is the application of love and the ability to understand why love is important. Love connects us all around the world. It connects us. It's the one thing that allows us to, without any type of um, hidden agenda, it connects us. But see, here's the point that we all have to make the choice to connect, to, to apply it. And that's where we fall short. Not only have that we haven't learned it, but the fact is, is when it comes down to it, we have to choose it. And nobody can prevent us from choosing it. It's a 100% guaranteed success when we apply it. But we've got to go through and understand that there's work that causes us to be able to apply it. It's just not, it's just not gonna happen. We have all of these walls up and divisions that are dividing us, um, that are preventing us from being able to recognize that we need one another. It's not an option. There, there's not like a Asian human, human, you know, you can call yourself whatever you want. You can preface it with anything that you want to, but at the end, we're human in this thing together. And, and it's amazing. And this is so much that, you know, I was in the military during the cold war, during the, during the heart of the cold war. And we were trying not to annihilate each other, to just finish the world. We had the capacity to annihilate the world. And guess what? 
two sides. They had enough nuclear weapons to annihilate the world, could just blown up the whole con- the whole world. And they knew enough not to do it because it wasn't about, it wasn't about, you know, it was the, it was the, the fact was, it was like, is it possible that one of us could win this thing? And they came to the realization that, eh, probably not. It's, it's crazy because I grew up in the 80s and I, I mean, I remember ducking under my desk for nuclear war drills and when I tell anyone like slightly younger than me about it, they just don't even understand. And so it's really, really cool to hear your take on that and applying it to love and everything, because that is full circle. What I was trying to get from you at the beginning, which is you have this profound experience from the military and you have profound experience with organized religion and especially the sects of Christianity. And so you come from these organizations that receive a lot of like attention, both positive and negative, but you're a loving man and, and you have produced change in yourself and you're producing it for uh, transformation for others. So it's, it's really beautiful. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to be thinking about a lot of the things you said today, but I think the one I'm going to think the most about is why the cold war didn't end and how that has to do with love and mutual respect. Cause I was taught it was from mutual fear, mutually assured destruction. <laughs> but I think the way you said it, it makes more sense. Well, Juan, I always like to give my guests uh, the last question uh, of the day. So you have the floor and you can uh, leave our audience with whatever you'd like, please. Well, I mean, here's the thing. All this takes is one person at a time. All I'm wanting to do is to facilitate uh, the opportunity to to express and to share love in a new. It's about reimagining love, to understand the power of love. So it only takes one person to choose to love. And if they, one person chooses to love, then it can transfer to another person choosing to love. All it takes is one at a time. So I'm just asking that we all just consider choosing to love rather, you know, than allowing whatever the variables are that are around us to divide us. Let's look to to unite that you look to to want to serve and to to protect and to preserve humanity with love well that was profound and beautiful uh mr juan lee and again for our audience you can find juan lee uh his information in our bio juan lee the author and if you're a fan of the show we'd love it if you would subscribe and maybe share it with a friend you have been listening to coffin talk interviews with the living my name is mike oppenheim and we will see you soon when i hear this song and i'm walking alone walking alone when i walk into you and i see that you see me and i see you hear this tune and i feel that you're near me and